morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning on this spring forward Sunday, and it's sunny, uh, it's beautiful right now, so uh, very thankful for that. And everyone always says to, you know, set your clock forward, but uh, does anyone actually have to, other than your car and your microwave, like, most people, your alarm's just going to go off no matter what, so uh, it's good to see so many people here this morning, and uh, we're excited to worship the Lord as we begin a new series uh, this morning about who's your one. Uh, if you're new to Broadway, we're especially glad you're here. There's a place in the bulletin. I hope you got one. Uh, it's always our announcements in here and the order of service, but also a place for uh, people who are new uh, to fill out and uh, let us know who you are uh, and just a little bit of information. Drop us an offering plate as it comes by. Uh, we'd love to know more about you. We'd love to know how we can pray for you and serve you. And, and of course, if you're a member, if there's some ministry or something you need prayer for, Fill that out as well. As a staff, we pray over the prayer concerns. When you fill out something of, hey, I need prayer for this, we pray for you. Uh, so uh, that's a great way to let us know how we can pray for you as well. So we're excited to see everyone. Uh, another announcement, uh, they're handing out uh, flyers about the women's conference. Uh, that is due in May. That $50 deposit is due in May. So get signed up, get your deposit uh, taken care of. That way, come October, the ladies can uh, can go down to Pigeon Forge for that conference. So uh, we're excited about everything today. We're excited about God's work and how we can reach uh, people in our lives. So if you would please stand as we read from God's word. Psalm 70. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. You may be seated. You know, a bunch of us uh, senior adults went on a mystery trip this weekend. The big news is we stayed in a Holiday Inn Express that had beds that were about, oh, maybe that tall. Had to climb up in them. And, and I get a phone call right quick from Lena Cornette. says, David, I can't get in my bed. <laughs> the second... That was now I got a call from, well, they all called. If you're going to stay in a Holiday Inn Express in Dayton, Ohio, beware. The beds are very tall. It's a pretty, pretty cool place up there. All right, I want to say a word about our, our instrumentalists over here. I'm always delighted. We have some college students who are always a part of our group. Uh, Jared and Ryan are playing trumpet now. The gray-haired guy in the back is not a college student. That's Ron Berry, but we are glad he's there too. But... Uh, Jared and Ryan are both students at EKU. This morning, uh, Ryan is going to play. He, he's a junior, and as part of his major there, he's majoring in trumpet performance and business and so forth, but he has a, a requirement to do a junior recital. And uh, one of the selections he has to play is an organ and trumpet duet. 
And, of course, we have Matthew West here today because they're going to play a duet together. I just want you to know in advance why we're having an organ and trumpet duet today. And I'm glad that Ryan's always a part of our group, and we're excited about hearing him play this morning. All right, the choir is going to begin with singing a song called Jesus Saves. I sing the mighty power of God. Would you join me in standing and sing this hymn together, please?
Heavenly Father, we bow to acknowledge you as the true and the living God. We come to worship and to praise you and to glorify your name, thanking you for your mighty power. We realize, Lord, that you spake and this mighty world came into existence. To think, our Father, that you have created all. You have brought us into this world and given us the privilege of living among the abundance of your blessing and goodness. And Father, you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us from our sins and our transgression. What a mighty gift you have given unto us. And we praise and exalt your name, Lord. And thank you that when we confess our sins, when we repent of them, Lord, that you forgive us. You cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When we are covered by the shed blood, you make us as white as snow. We give you praise and glory and honor. We pray, our Father, for our pastor as he shares your word with us this day. I pray that your Holy Spirit will have freedom to move and to work in our midst. And Father, there are those with special needs today. We pray that you would comfort their hearts, that you would stir all of us within. Pray for those that are despondent and discouraged, Lord. That maybe today someone has entered this building and saying, how can I continue to go on? But Lord, may they find peace within their heart and soul in relationship unto you. Thank you again for your mighty love and grace and mercy. May we leave this place today rejoicing and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Guide us through the week that is ahead, and may we bring glory and honor unto your name. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. One of the hymns that has a great story behind it is Well of My Soul. We'll sing that this morning. <clears throat> when peace like a
I know whom I have believed. You know that song? Let's stand together and sing it as an offertory hymn. I know whom I have believed. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather in your house and to kneel before your throne. Father, we thank you for the things you do every day in our lives, for the healing that takes place, for the answer to prayer. Father, you hear us even when we're alone and when there's a tear. And uh, Father, you have that all healing power. Father, we thank you this morning for the sunshine and the rays that uh, bring hope and promise of a new season. Father, we thank you for the sun that shines in our lives and through our lives, and we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, continue to bless those around us, Father, through your presence in us and in this church. Lord, we thank you for material things that you've given to us and blessed us with. You're our provision for every day, and as we return a portion of that this morning to you, may you be honored, Lord, and may we give hilariously. Take these tithes and offerings, Father, and use them to bless this community and to reach folks with ministry of your gospel. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
here I hope to watch. It's called Who's Your One? It's J.D. Greer. He's our current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You don't hear that? We'll show that video next week. Open your Bible. This is Meaningful interaction for Christ. That's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member. Numbers. We live by numbers. We track and count and measure everything. And sometimes we think the only numbers that really matter are the big ones. But it's the single digits that make the difference. The Bible says that heaven rejoices with the number one. Yeah, heaven rejoices each time even one person comes to know Jesus. We pastors dream about big numbers, and we should. But a daily focus on one meaningful interaction for Christ, that's the true difference maker. One friend, one family member, one co-worker, one person at a time. We want to see God move in our nation like we have never seen before. But it all starts with one. I've got my one. And now I'm challenging you and your church to join us and to find yours. Because ultimately, the only number that really matters is one. Who's your one? Back in the good old days, if you grew up in Southern Baptist Church, they had Soul Winning Commitment Day. You'd have Soul Winning Commitment Sunday. Does anybody remember those days where you would have the little pledge cards and you'd make a commitment that you were going to you're going to win a soul for the Lord. You know, he, who, who, he who winneth souls is wise. That's what Proverbs says in the KJV version. Well, that's what who's your one is. The next five Sundays, you're going to hear, every time you come to church, you're going to hear about who's your one. And what this is, I'm going to ask you to identify, do you know of someone who is not saved? Do you know of anybody who does not know Jesus? If you do, I want you, over the next five Sundays, you're going to start praying for them. A lot of times in our prayer life, and even in our spiritual life, we take what we might call a shotgun approach, where you just shoot and the, you know, the, the, <laughs> the shot goes all over the place. It spreads out. This is a laser focus, where you start praying for maybe one or even two people who you know who do not know the Lord, and you're praying for them to come to know Jesus. I want you to open your Bible to um, Luke chapter 16. Also pull out your sermon insert notes there in your bulletin. There are really, Jesus gave two really good examples on hell. This is actually a message on hell this morning. The first one's found in Matthew 25. It's called the sheep and the goats. The second one is what we call the rich man and Lazarus. And that's what we're going to look at this morning here. It's in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. We are going to see the reality of hell. When it comes down to it, someone who dies without Jesus Christ in their life, someone who is separated, who lives a life, and they might even be good Americans, good folks, they might even go to church, and they die without the Lord. The Bible tells us what we're about to see of a real, true hell. Now, this is a message that, when it, this is a serious subject. 
we aren't playing games with what we're talking about. All of the ministries of this church, and really the ministry of any Christian church, of the, the church as a whole, we are winning and leading people to Jesus. Because when it's all over, we're going to see what happens when, when one, a, a rich man dies and a man named Lazarus dies. We're going to see of what actually happens when you and I quit breathing. This should be an urgency also with what we do. Urgency. Urgency means it's not just important, we're taking, we're taking action on it. We're actually doing something about it. It's so important. Let me illustrate urgency. And on Friday night at our house at 8.45, Sherry calls me downstairs. I hear the dryer being slammed and being hit and being beat up. So I go downstairs, and it's true. The dryer isn't working. Now, for folks who wash and dry clothes all day, all night, all the time, this is a crisis at your home. So this is at Friday night at 8.45. I go down there and push the buttons. They're not working. Not, it's not coming on. So, you know, you, just, you make sure it's plugged in. I don't know why. You, you look around back. I mean, you're looking around. I don't know what I'm even looking for. It won't come on. So it's not working. So by this point, it's 8.48. Sherry looks at me and says, Daniel, Lowe's closes in 12 minutes. <clears throat> now, we live right around the corner from Lowe's. And, I mean, I'm putting my shoes on. I say, Sherry, I mean, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go there and buy a dryer. They're going to deliver it tonight. The installer man's going to come at 11 p.m. and install it. Does, does, Lowe's, does Lowe's install stuff at midnight? And so, I mean, say it's 12. And it's like, I mean, we're getting ready to go. It's urgent. The dry, we have wet clothes. So I say, Sherry, why don't we, I'll go look online. Because I really didn't want to go to Lowe's that, that, that late. So I went online. So immediately I go back up the stairs I pull out the computer, I'm at Lowe's.com shopping for dryers. That is called urgent. I think when you buy dryers, they don't even stall. They don't have same-day installation. They have to wait a week or something for them to actually show up. <clears throat> so for when you go to Lowe's and buy your dryer or washer. But when your dryer or washing machine goes out, that is priority. It moves to the whatever you're doing stops and it goes to the top of the list. For us as believers, I'm telling this because... When someone dies without Christ, Broadway Baptist Church, they're going to hell, the Bible tells us. All right, pull out your Bibles. Luke chapter 16, look at this. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sword. So see the two contrasts here. Rich man, got anything he wants. Poor man, Lazarus here. Rich man doesn't even have a name. Poor man, Lazarus here, who never even says a word in the story. I mean, he's just half dead, eats scraps, dogs are licking. I mean, just pitiful situation for Lazarus. So... They're both going to die. So look what happens here. One day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. Abraham was the first person God called for the Jewish nation. Abraham was righteous. God declared him righteous. Abraham is in heaven right now. This man, Lazarus, died. And angels, the Bible says, they carry, when someone dies, the angels carry you away. 
And they went to heaven. That's where Lazarus is right now. He's in heaven. Well, look what else. But the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, Hades is another word for hell. This rich man, he died. He's buried in the ground. He went to hell. Angels didn't carry him to hell. God sent him to hell. He looked up the rich man from hell, and he saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus by his side. He recognized this guy. He said, this was the man that used to beg at my house. And look what he says. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. This man is in hell. Jesus, what he's doing at this point, he's pulling the curtain back and he's showing a picture of what it looks like when someone dies in the places that you go. So this man is in agony. The Bible says he's in torment. He's burning. He's asking for a drop of water. This is not a vacation. This isn't some party going on in hell. He is, he is in pain. He's conscious. He's not... He's not just annihilated, or he annihilated. He's not having soul sleep. He is hurting in hell. It's a place of misery where this man is at. And at this rare instance, God is Jesus has given us a picture of He's able to see heaven. So look what happens here. So we're we're begging. The flame is never going out here. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life, you received your good things, just as Lazarus received the bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides this, a, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you. So that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, neither can those who cross over to us. So all of a sudden, their fate is sealed. They can no longer switch from heaven to hell or from hell to heaven. There's not a purgatory. There's not a place you can go get purified or hear some Billy Graham sermons at the last minute and quickly uh, walk the aisle and get saved. It's over. Their, their fate is sealed at this point. Now, this is where it really, really changes. So I want you to understand here. Jesus saying here, this man's in hell, and he's just in agony, asking for a, a, a drop of water to cool his tongue. Now, he's about to start doing evangelism. Do you know what evangelism is? Evangelism is when you tell other people about Jesus. Evangelism is when you meet a lost person who is going to hell, who is separated from God, who does not know Jesus, and you tell them how to be saved. Now, this man, this rich man, church, is about to do evangelism from hell. It's the only time we ever see evangelism done in hell. It's done right here. Now look at this. <clears throat> father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house. Now the first father, we're, we're talking about God. The rich man saying, God, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. To my dad's house. Like, make him go back to earth if he can't come down here. Why? Because I have five brothers 
to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. He is, he's begging from hell to God. Send Lazarus down to my brothers because I don't want them to experience this suffering, pain, this lake of fire that I am going through. We see all of a sudden this complete concern and brokenness for this man's brothers. He's saying, I, I, want, I don't want my brothers to go here. Do you know some lost family members? Do you have some relatives who do not know Jesus? If, if this rich man was concerned over his five brothers, how much more while we're here on earth, we can actually tell them about Jesus? Now look what happens. Verse 30. But Abraham said, or verse 29. They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. What he just said is, let them read the Bible. They've got the Old Testament. They've got the same scriptures that you had. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. What Jesus just told us in that story is if they're not going to listen to the Bible, what the Scripture says here, they're not even going to listen if someone like Lazarus comes back from the dead and witnesses to them and shares to them that there is a hell. If they don't repent in turn, they will go to this place of eternal suffering. What we see here, we know from this story that Jesus just told us, <clears throat> the truth is that Jesus is affirming there is a real heaven. Lazarus is there. Abraham is in heaven. But there's also a real hell. This rich man who had anything he wanted is in hell today. His brothers, we don't know where they went, but they were warned from Moses and the prophets. And if they didn't repent from the Bible, then they would have no hope. Jesus is telling us here, these are real places. Do you know of someone who is lost? I have a Bible verse here. It's, I want to put up on the board. It's John 14, 6. Do we have that Bible verse? Now let's look at this. This is an important Bible verse. Because this Bible verse is something you should have probably have memorized growing up. Or you should memorize it now. This is Jesus speaking. You can't get any more clear about the gospel and about how to be saved. You know, <clears throat> many people might ask, okay, Jesus saves, but what, what are we saved from? Do you know what you're saved from? You're saved from this place of torment. You know, we didn't read it, but if you want to do more reading on hell, you turn to Matthew 25 and you read about the sheep and the goats. And Jesus told us that hell was actually created for fallen angels. It wasn't even created for people. The, re the rebellious angels, maybe even before the world was created, went, were, went to hell. You know, we know from the Old Testament that Satan is a fallen angel. We know that his name was Lucifer. And that we know he's, he led a rebellion against God. Hell was created for him. But because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God, people without Christ go to the place 
that was created for fallen angels. Jesus said, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. It doesn't say some people. It doesn't say there's a side door. It doesn't say a Christianity and Judaism and Islam. It says no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. You cannot get more clear than that Bible verse, how to go to heaven. If someone wants to be saved, if someone wants to go to heaven and not go to hell, of this place of torment, Jesus is it. No other religion, no other, no other way, there's no other name under heaven to call to, to be saved. This past week, Sherry Austin was witnessing. She told a lady about Jesus, and the lady's response was, well, I grew up in a Catholic school. Does a Catholic school save you? Does a Baptist school save you? Does any school save you? No. Jesus saves you. We are surrounded in our city here, in Lexington, Kentucky, where if you ask folks how to be saved, you will get all sorts of reasons, anything under the sun. And here is Jesus saying in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. And the Father there is God, except through me. Our message that we share to people is that Jesus saves. Do you know someone that needs to be saved? What are they saved from? They're saved from hell. God sends people to hell, a place of misery, a place that Revelation 21 describes as a lake of fire. It is a place where people without Christ are conscious, they're suffering, there's no parting, there's no vacation, there's no joking down there. You'll do evangelism. You try to do evangelism. You will be aware of your surroundings. You'll be a remember. You'll have a sense of remembrance. You can remember your family. And you will not want them there. This man had five brothers. He did not want them to go there. A couple weeks ago, I had lunch with Keith Heisel. Keith, raise your hand. Right there. <laughs> I don't call him out, so I want to share. He, I got permission to share a story. And Keith has one of the most powerful testimonies. Keith married Gail and came to this church. And it was the church when it was right there in the gym. That used to be our church right there. Now it's a place for basketball. In fact, children's church is going on right now. Supposed to be learning about Jesus, but they're learning how to play basketball over there. <laughs> so Keith, he, um, he, went, he, he married into this church. And Keith was not saved. He walked down the aisle right there in that building. Keith came to church on Easter, and he came with Gail at the Christmas Eve candlelight service. Christmas and Easter, that's when he came to church, a couple of times a year. Gail came and brought their children every time the doors were open here. And the Sunday school classes used to be now where the youth rooms are, downstairs and below that building. Well, Gail would go into the women's, young women's Sunday school class, which now Miss Shauna Mallory teaches. She'd come in there, listen to this, for seven years, 
she asked her Sunday school class and those ladies to pray for her husband. For her husband to get saved. For her husband to want to come to church. For her husband to start living for the Lord because he did not know Jesus. And she knew what that meant. She came to church, loaded up her family, her, their children, got in the car while their husband's asleep. Why their husband gives any excuse, goes play golf, whatever Keith would do. He would share this story. He'd do, find something else to do on Sunday. Do you know, there was a revival here at this church many years ago. And Keith gave his life to Jesus. She kept praying. Her Sunday school class, Gail's class, kept just praying for one person, her husband. He needs to be in God's house. He needs Jesus. Keith walked the aisle, gave his life to Jesus, and he got baptized in that church. Now, that's one person who's here today. It all starts with one. There are 7.6 billion people in this world. That's a lot of folks. We can't even comprehend how many folks there are. Can't even count them. We don't know where they're at. They're all over the place. Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them, and according to John 14, 6, the only way for those folks, that 7.6 billion people to get saved is through Jesus. And it starts with one, one at a time. Jesus saves one soul at a time. And 30 years ago, he saved Keith Heisen right here at Broadway Baptist Church. I want you to begin thinking about this week. Who do you know that needs Jesus? Who do you know that is spiritually lost? Because the Bible says, if they do not trust in Christ, they are going to the same place this rich man went to. And it's serious. It's something we cannot joke about. And their fate is sealed the moment they stop breathing. If we do not, if you do not repent and turn to Jesus, you go to this place described as Hades that is so hot that this man is, dipped, is begging for a drop of cool water. That's how bad it is. I want to give you some facts about hell. Look here up on the screen. I've got five facts. This is the reality of this place we're talking about. Number one, the Bible describes hell as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not a good description. Do you know what that means? That means you're angry at yourself because you didn't. If you find yourself separated from God and you're in this place of agony and suffering, you're going to be incredibly angry. You know who you're going to be mad at? You're going to be mad at yourself because you failed to follow Jesus and accept Him. You can come to church and play games. You come here and talk basketball, talk football. You come here and talk about what other people, whatever you talk about. But Jesus makes it very clear that if you don't know Him, if He's not your Savior, you are lost. And you're, it's, it's no one else's fault. No one else's fault. Can't blame anybody else but yourself. You are responsible for your sin. You know, we live in a day where everybody blames everyone else. But Jesus, when he holds us account, we have to give an account for our life. You are responsible 
for the decisions you make. And when it says weeping and gnashing of teeth, that means there's people there now who are angry and bitter and mad. That's straight out of the Bible, Luke 13, 28. Number two, hell is a place of suffering, a conscious place. You're not annihilated or asleep. This is not you you go to you let go to bed and you know he was a good man. Preachers can't preach people into heaven. You can't, doesn't matter what's said at your funeral service. It has means nothing. Your fate is sealed. And you have a soul. The reason what separates us from the animal kingdom is when the Bible says, and man and Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, and he breathed life. What that meant is we have something all of our furry friends do not have. We have a soul, meaning we live after this world. There is a conscious state. What's, what we see here is if you're, someone's weeping and gnashing in hell, that means they're aware of their surroundings. This rich man knew where he was at. That's why he was doing evangelism. That's why he was concerned. He had a memory. He remembered his brothers. If you reject the gospel this morning, you think, I'm not going to respond. I don't want to get saved. Do you know, it's almost like when you go to hell, God will allow you to remember that, that you were the one that rejected the gospel. Wasn't anybody else's fault. It's your fault. Number three, <clears throat> this is sad, but many people will go to hell. The Bible uses that word, many people. And that's straight out of Jesus' mouth, Matthew 7 22. That is on the Sermon on the Mount, where there will be these people that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do these great things for you? And Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. God does not care what we do for Him. Remember, He's God. He doesn't need us to do anything except repent and believe. And you're doing that to save yourself. And He's the one who saves you. Through you repenting, through you placing your faith in Jesus, He's the one who saves you. Listen, God... God knows how everything's going to end. God knows from the beginning. He knew yesterday, today, and forever. He knows what tomorrow holds. So what happens is the folks in Matthew 7, 22, they said, Lord, look at all the good deeds I did. Most folks, if you ask them if they're saved, they start naming all the good deeds. They start naming works-based salvation. They went to Catholic school. They went to Baptist school. They went to Sunday school. They fed the poor, they gave all their money away. Whatever they do, that's what, whatever, that might be good. But that's still not biblical salvation. Jesus says he's it. It doesn't matter what you do. That does not save you. The message that we communicate, when you start praying for one person, they have to clearly understand salvation is solely repentance and belief in Jesus. That's it. You turn from your sins. Remember that what he said in Matthew 7, 22, away from me, you evil doers. Sin is what took them to hell. It's the evil in their life. That's what Jesus came to the cross to die for. His death defeated Satan. His death allowed us the opportunity to be redeemed, to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. What does sin do? 
Unforgiven sin takes us to hell. Number three, hell's an eternal place. This is not purgatory. There are no second chances. You do not get a second, third, fourth round in this place. It is eternal. There's no end. Just as heaven's eternal, hell is eternal. One day, everyone's soul will be sealed. Jesus' second coming, it's over. The Bible says eventually our earth will, will be gone. There won't be an earth. The New Jerusalem in Revelation 21 and 22 will replace earth. That is heaven. And then the place that was created for fallen angels will be for hell. Will be for those that did not know Jesus. Number five, unforgiven sin. Look at this. Takes people to hell. What this means when you do not have the blood of Jesus, that is, wash your sins away, you stand before God as a sinner. When you're saved, you stand before God. God doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees His Son at judgment. And His Son was the blood that made you clean. It takes Jesus' blood removes my sin. It removes your sin. Church, Jesus is telling us, this scripture is telling us that we need to be serious and get busy with winning people to Jesus. If the rich man is a soul winner from hell, surely I can be one here on earth. On your little handout, look at these questions here at the very bottom. Do you know of someone who is truly in danger of going to hell. Can you think of anyone that right now they are not at church? They're not in God's Word. They're not at home watching on the computer or watching TV. They're doing other things. They're not here. Do you know of someone who's not saved? Number two, are you willing to begin praying for that person to be saved? One person. One person. Do you know a Keith Heisel? Do you know of someone who is spiritually lost? They might come to church on Easter. They'll be here next month. They might come on Christmas. But that's not salvation. They might even go to Catholic school. That's not salvation. You start praying for one person. Number Number three. Would you be willing to tell that one person about Jesus so they would not have to spend an eternity in hell? I want you to think about these things. Because this is going to be, next five Sundays, you're going to hear this over and over and over again. Who's your one? Who's it going to be? Sherry and I are praying about who our one. We know folks that are not saved. Children, teenagers can start praying about who they want. You can tell anybody who is not saved, start praying for them, and then praying for that opportunity to tell them about Jesus. The reality is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. This prayer, it is a prayer that's going to be for you and for me that we are serious about this. That Who's Your One is not some five-week sermon series preachers are just going to run through 
and think, all right, next. And here we are in April. Get ready for Easter. We did who's your one. No, who's your one? We should be having, in the weeks ahead, we should be having a lot of Keith Heisels get saved here. We should be seeing lives changed because the folks at Broadway Baptist Church started praying, each one of us started praying for one lost person. Last Sunday, on the back of your bulletin, what was our attendance last Sunday? That's what I was going to look. Does anybody know? What's that number? No, somebody called out the offering. Not the offering, the attendance. What's the number? 217? 271. That was a tough, that was a tough challenge to forget our numbers. <laughs> that. 271 people were here last Sunday. I promise you, if 271, and children can do this, the children playing in the gym, playing basketball, if they start praying, for their friends, start praying for one person. I promise you, this will change your per personal life because all of a sudden your prayer life isn't just, God, give me some money, make my life great, I want to do this, that. No. It says, God, I want to pray for the one person I know who needs to get saved. They need to come to know Jesus. You get 271 people, start praying for one person. That will change your life. It change our church's life. You will see a revival happen in this church. Who's your one should be the greatest thing to ever start happening at Broadway Baptist Church. But I want you to know, if you and I, if we don't start praying and start identifying who's the one person that I need to start crying out to God, just one, that's all I'm asking, one person to give their life to Christ. And Lord, Provide me an opportunity. And I promise you, as you start praying for that one person, if you start doing this every day, that opportunity will come. God will allow you. God will bring that person into your path so solely you could tell them how to be saved. You say, Daniel, what did I say? You know what you do? You just quote John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember, God's Word is alive. It's living and active. You don't know what to say? The Bible says Jesus will give you the words to say. What do you talk about? You talk about Him. Don't talk about church. Don't talk about school. Don't talk about sports. Talk about Jesus. That's the one who saves. You pivot the conversation to the Lord. Are you willing to make that commitment? In the weeks ahead, we're going to have a commitment time where we're going to invite folks to come forward, write down their name. We're going to place it in a box and we're going to pray over it. Over the names. But this week, your homework this week, is I want you to start praying for, say, God, give me one person. The one person. It might be a family member. It might be a co-worker. It might be your neighbor. Whoever. doesn't matter. All souls matter to God. You just got to be a human. can't be a dog. You find a human who needs Jesus, and you start praying for him the next five weeks. And watch what God's going to do. Jesus, I pray for the one person for the 271 people that were here last Sunday and this Sunday. Lord, help us identify one soul who needs you. Someone who is not at church. Someone who does not have Jesus in their heart. Someone who has not been forgiven of sin. Lord, help us see the reality of this place that you described. Lord, if this rich man is in hell witnessing... 
and soul winning for his brothers and concern, trying to get Lazarus to go there, Lord, surely we can do it. If people can be evangelists in hell, we can do it here on earth. Lord, give us one person. Lord, open up our eyes to see the reality of what it's like dying without you. I pray these weeks ahead, as we're talking about this, that you will help bring in our life one person who's your one. And Lord, we are faithful daily in praying for them. And not only that, Lord, looking for that opportunity to tell them about you. Lord, we give you who's your one. Seal it on our hearts of who you want us to begin praying for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service with an invitation to get saved. I stand down front.